CFUV 101.9 FM is a campus and community radio station located on the Songhees and Wasanic territory in Victoria, British Columbia. CFUV provides access to broadcast training and equipment. Visit our website cfuv.ca to find out how you can get involved and add your voice to Victoria's airwaves. At the University of Victoria Legacy Art Galleries, art works to promote dialogue around issues that matter. Our rotating exhibitions and programs activate research and learning through university and community collaborations. Our main gallery space is located downtown on Lukwangan Territories, open Wednesday to Saturday between 10 and 4. We have two additional exhibition spaces on campus, First People's House and the Legacy Maltwood. Our exhibitions are always free and open to the public. Learn more at uvac.uvic.ca. You ain't gotta lie to kick it, my kid, You ain't gotta lie, you ain't gotta lie. You ain't gotta lie to kick it, my kid, You ain't gotta try so hard. You ain't gotta lie to kick it, my kid, Hey guys, this is Liza Tell White People on CFPB 101.9 FM. And on today's episode, we're gonna talk about the nuance of racial representation on TV. Hope you enjoy. So recently, I was rewatching one of my favorite shows, On My Block. It's a Netflix original that came out a couple years ago, and actually just recently ended back in 2021 with its final fourth season. Now, the show is made up of a fully POC cast, and it follows them during their five years of high school, and it's set in the made-up town of Free Ridge, which is supposed to be an ode to the areas in South LA. And I was thinking to myself, dude, the show is funny. It's really good in general and all very well-rounded and a really accurate representation of what it's like to grow up in a community such as Free Ridge. Um, As someone who's from Surrey, which some of the listeners may be familiar with, some may not, when I've ever spoken about the place I grew up, there was always a lot of negative stereotypes put on it. A lot of them having to do with crime and violence, which, yes, does happen where I grew up and, again, does happen in Free Ridge. But in On My Block, it was the first time that I felt like they were showing a perspective of what it's like to be an insider in that world and in that community. Instead of glorifying it, I felt like for once it was a depiction of what it's truly like to just have that be your normal. Like growing up, you, yes, there's things that happen that may be bad around you, but there's also a lot of the normal stuff that kids go through. Their first loves, their first prom, um, getting into the college they want. A lot of the time also in, when you grow up in communities like these, your your environment becomes a part of your identity for people on the outside and this is the first time that a show the depicted is victoria's home for kids who grew up in the environment such as myself for any occasion we, 
don't no just live our lives according tools, to the fact that the maids cards, have and islands and such things. We live our lives Come just like anyone else would. Their new so at it was a really good ode and a really good way to represent communities. And also the fact that the crew and the writers and the producers were all people of color and a lot of them who grew up in these communities. That made a big difference as to how accurate the representation was and in what direction they took the comedic side of the show as well. And sometimes when we have past and previous, we've seen it before, representation of communities like these on the big screen or the small screen, it's really easy to tell that the person who created the script or was the creator of just the idea isn't someone who grew up in those communities. And that's when you get those representations that come across as being almost horrified of the environment and only looking at it as a negative and bad place to be born and grow up. But I digress. It's I'm not trying to sell on my vlog to you guys, if anything. The experience of watching the show again recently kind of made me start thinking about something a little bit bigger, which I think a lot of people are familiar with, which is the idea of representation. Um, and what made me start thinking about this is the fact that I started to think, why did this show get canceled? This is the first time in a long time that there was a show that really represented my communities and other communities that grow up with these types of connotations to them from outsiders. And it was done so well. The cast was all people of color. The crew was mainly people of color with lived experiences that they were sh showcasing on their shows. It all seemed like such a well-rounded infrastructure that they had kind of created. It made me a little irritated, to be honest. And essentially, I went into this whole spiral of how thinking about how shows that get advertised are usually solely for their like diversity hires, and they're always but they're always catered to be more digestible for white audiences, which on my block may not be. If you're not from that community, you may not be attached to this show in the same way I am. However, that doesn't take away from the fact that it is a well-rounded, fundamentally very good show that may give you a different perspective about a community you're not familiar with. But most shows that have this representation kind of trope put on them in just the marketing of it all, they're always digestible for white audiences. And which, for a person of color, it's frustrating because it makes me feel like that in itself just undermines the whole purpose of trying to get our communities to be represented in the first place. If we're constantly, even if we're trying to, you know, elevate our and bring up our communities and our cultures, but we have to tone it down and adapt it in a way that's easy for white people to enjoy it which I don't personally think I think it's counterproductive to be honest and a show that kind of made me feel like that uh recently was the Netflix original Never Have I Ever which also is similar to On My Block I think that's why it was easy to compare the two but even if you're not familiar with it it's a show that was co co-created by Mindy Kaling, um, who you may be familiar with. The Office, amazing show. 
Um, she was a writer on there. <laughs> and then she had her own accolades, such as the Mindy Project. But the show follows a first-generation American Tamil female named Devi, who is navigating the passing of her father while dealing with the obstacles of being a teenager. So a coming-of-age story, similar to that of On My Block, but mainly following Devi instead of how On My Block follows a group of friends. Now, the show was praised by audiences for having a South Asian female lead, and it was also looked fondly at for the strides it made for South Asian representation, as well as the stereotypes it broke. However, as a South Asian first-generation Canadian myself, I would actually say that Devi as a character and the show itself doesn't always accurately or even proudly represent South Asian culture sometimes. If anything, again, it's a very digestible narrative using tropes that Western and white audiences are already familiar with when it comes to South Asians, while having the main character Devi and her family be a family that is already adapted to white culture quite well. Um, and to be honest, this just is not the case for many South Asian families here. Um, and I think communities of color in general in the Western world. And so other than the aesthetic nods to South Asian culture in the forms of maybe a puja or wearing a sari here or traditional Tamil South Asian clothing, with those aesthetics aside, you start to realize that there isn't much tangible or I think a better word maybe substance to the South Asian side of Devi's identity as a character that shows through during throughout the show um, and therefore it makes it really easy to take out those you know odes to South Asian culture and just put a white female lead in her place and I think the fact that she her Devi as a character is so interchangeable with a white replacement is a really good indication that maybe the representation there isn't the most accurate and instead, as maybe others feel, but I, I feel, that is actually representation that I think white audiences or audiences in the Western world that aren't from the South Asian community would assume a South Asian teenager would be like. That's what the show feels like to me. And I know it's an unpopular opinion because it is so loved. And it doesn't mean that the show is horrible. The show again, the show is also written really well and it's really funny and the actors are amazing actors. But in terms of the fact that the whole show show's marketing ploy was, hey, this is you know, this is representation at its finest. This is a new new wave of representation with a South Asian lead that we've never seen before. And we're so very proud of it. Um, I think it creates this wrong idea that this is for Western communities, again, that this is what South Asian people are like. And I personally don't think that's the case. And I know a lot of 
people from my community would agree with that and have voiced that before. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that I think my frustration even more than just the show comes from the response that audiences, especially Western audiences, have had to the show. Uh, For example, one of the most frustrating um, articles I kind of found myself reading was a CNN Entertainment article done by Mitra Kalita, which was titled Six Ways Never Have I Ever Bust Asian Stereotypes. Now, very promising title, right? Well, I started to take a look at the list, you know? It was interesting. And I'm just gonna read you one of the stereotypes that it says that never have I ever breaks and then explain to you why this is just kind of hilarious. So, one of the main points on the list was that the Indian dad is so loving and sensitive. So, essentially, uh, the article explains that shown in a flashback, Mohan, a doting father, sharing his love of tennis, ping pong, and gardening with his daughter. It's a refreshing departure from the nerdy, social awkward engineer or the immigrant father more often cast as strict or overbearing and emotionally distant. Well, wow. <laughs> um, I don't know what they were going for here. I don't personally think it translates well. But, so here's my thing. I agree with it is a nice departure, but not for me, probably. Maybe for a white person who watches this show. But for me and most first-generation South Asian Westerners, those immigrant fathers that are more often cast as strict, overbearing, and emotionally distanced, that was the reality for us. And it didn't and does not mean that the fathers of our communities aren't loving to their children or that the overbearingness is a bad thing. In a lot of South Asian culture, and most immigrant fathers and parents' way of showing their love is through their overbearingness. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't some flaws that arise. However, it definitely is not this villainous characteristic that most Western white communities decided it is and therefore created a stereotype for it. So for this article to go around and be like, you know, Never Have I Ever is just such an amazing show. And because for once, it's not this horrible trope of the dad being like an awkward engineer or this overbearing strict helicopter parent. Well, you know what? I don't actually think that's a bad thing. It's not bad that they're overbearing. And just because Western and white communities have decided that's the mentality they're gonna have about it why does that mean the when we as south asian um communities come together and get our opportunities to have shows like these why is it that we're gonna feed into it you know by finally by creating this dad that's so amazing but then also making it seem like oh you know there we acknowledge the stereotype and we also acknowledge that you're right it's bad so this is why we're gonna do the opposite on our show i think that's the most frustrating part is when does breaking a stereotype translate into running away from it and you know running away from it causes shows like these to be created that white communities love but don't accurately represent the south asian community or the community of color that it's trying to and as an audience member that isn't white and isn't i even though i was born here i don't think i can completely have adapted myself to all western tropes 
that's really frustrating and really honestly annoying so i'm gonna shift gears a bit now and instead of just only talking about my reactions and thoughts to never have i ever uh give kind of a bit of light to other reactions that people had to the representation on never have i ever uh one of the main articles that stood out to me was written by mina van gotham anan a former crimson news editor and who has a joint concentrator in english and south asian studies with a secondary field in ethnicity migration and rights she writes that never have i ever leans on frames of reference that are comfortably familiar to a white audience but overly so to south asian americans Honey-eyed quips about Princess Jasmine, Priyanka Chopra, and spelling bees serve as half-hearted attempts at comedy. She goes on to write, Hence, the arranged marriage has already been solidified in American minds as a backward misogynistic tradition. It is the opposite of the fairy tale romance that have long characterized Western relationships. Never Have I Ever only reinforces this prevalent stereotype playing up the sexism of the process and broadcasting the message that arranged arranged marriages are to be avoided at all costs. Although Davy's parents' relationship seems to reveal that a traditional and presumably arranged Indian marriage can indeed be built upon mutual love and affection, the show doesn't explore it within the central plot. Now, something that this article does a good job of talking about is this idea that at some point when you start to run away from stereotypes and break them, you can become counterproductive and actually reinforce them. We see that with the way the author has expressed the arranged marriage trope, which is a prevalent plot line for Davy's cousin who um, we see throughout the show as a series regular and even though now the show is saying hey we acknowledge this trope is bad we're going to agree with you and make sure that it's never done and we make it clear that it's a bad thing rather than diving deeper into it and trying to kind of create a cultural bridge to explain to maybe western communities why these certain relationships or you know practices are done in south asian culture which would be much more effective of a practice to have when trying to represent certain communities in tv shows nowadays Hey guys, we're going to take a short break with some music and then we'll be back to discuss more about the episode. Viewer's discretion is advised. The music may have some explicit terms in it. I cross the line, you say, as if I was trying to let you down. You think I'm messy and unkind And leaving pieces of me behind But you're the sun
got me good vibes, thank God I ain't driving traffic Vision blur, blue bleed, and that's a black I let it Don't matter, anyhow, I'm climbing Keep my good vibes in check, go so cool climbing in common, we got good friends Roll light on split ends, pretty magic Traffic addicts, now I don't really know where you stay at Can I get a address, never more My phone don't forget it I don't really know where to bake that unless you're trying to get it In which case my phone don't forget it I never answer calls when I'm in the kitchen Cooking, it's just a thing, it's not that I never call back With my friends looking at me in the car Cause it be all they wanna talk about Are you trying to get a deal? A deal? A deal? Sorry on the real But my eyes and my ears don't work well And the floor keeps sliding on my heels I can't feel them, I'm still dreaming The skull on the table is still life Is it still life? What's the meaning? Are we still dealing? Feel like I can't act right All right, sugar, city, pretty, magic Got me good vibes, thank God I ain't driving traffic Vision, blur, blue, bleeding That's a blackout ladder, it don't matter anyhow I'm climbing, keep my good vibes And check out so cool climbing It's in common, we got good friends Roll like a split ends, pretty magic Traffic addicts Hey guys, so you just heard When It Lands by the band Rainbow Kid and Surprise from their album How To, Friend, Love, and Freefall. The song before that was by Anna Katarina called Lost Without You from her album Let You Down. So up next is actually an interview I was able to have with a fellow staff member here at CFUV, Arcade, who is our program director. And luckily, a little birdie told me, it was actually just Arcade, that he had done a minor in film study, and we just kind of were talking about the topic in general, and so the next clip is going to be the interview. It's not the full interview, just due to time, 
but for the full interview, we talk about Ryan the Last Dragon versus Turning Red, two animation movies that have recently come out, um, and cross-compare them, and Arcade specifically talks about how the differences between representation and which one is more digestible for European, Western, or white audiences. But the clip from the interview that I'm gonna be sharing is the part where we actually examine Never Have I Ever, and so I hope you enjoy. Um, so, hey guys, I actually have Arcade here with me. I asked him to be a part of the show, and he thankfully did not decline my offer. <laughs> Um, and he's just here kind of to give his perspective on westernized representation and kind of like how it's idealized. So, Arcade, if you'd like to take it away. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I, I guess before we launch into this discussion at hand, uh, yeah, I'm Arcade. I'm Filipino-Chinese-Canadian, which is quite the mix. And I'm also trans. I am female to male. And uh, my degree that I had done at UVic is in English literature and there is dual focuses on film and indigenous studies so there's a mess here and we're gonna dredge a lot of it up in talking about media. I have been a big fan of movies particularly cartoons my whole life and being a young second generation I guess you know Asian Canadian person I've always been very sensitive to how Asians are represented in media. I'm just going to be blunt about it. No, totally. <laughs> this is what we're here for. Um, I guess we'll go into talking about Never Have I Ever because that's the one we've both watched. watched. Yeah. The, I guess the premise is what there's, it stars Davi, who's a first generation immigrant. Yeah. Yeah. And... This happens in the first episode where but her dad dies and then she yeah. decides that like her her freshman year is completely screwed up and then she decides for her second for her sophomore year she's going to have like the greatest high school career ever and she has two friends who are black and chinese respectively and she's like we're going to hook up <laughs> with some hot guys and we're going to like climb to the top of the social ladder that's like a very like cut and dry elevator pitch of never have I ever. Hey guys, we're gonna take a short break and then we'll be back to talk more about the episode. Hey guys, as we take a break, I just wanted to inform you about an event happening this summer in Victoria. So on August 31st in Victoria, BC, the Vancouver Island Blue Bash will be held. This festival will feature blues and R&B artists, so if that's something you enjoy, be sure to check it out. Washing your hands often reduces the chances of getting or spreading COVID-19 and other germs. Washing your hands with soap and hot water for at least 20 seconds allows the soap to disrupt the surface of the virus and rinse it off. While soap and water is the most effective, hand sanitizer can also be used to disinfect your hands as well. For more information about hand washing and COVID-19, please visit bccdc.ca. Like what you're hearing? You can text CFUV anytime and let us know what you think of our playlists, podcasts, and hot takes. 
we love to hear from our listeners. Call or text at 250-8721-8700. That's 250-721-8700 to reach CFUV 101.9 FM. Welcome back to Lies I Tell White People on CFUV 101.9 FM. Hey guys, welcome back to the show and let's get back into today's discussion. I don't know why it's called Never Have I Ever. Um, but, but Davi is like... She's the protagonist, and she, like her mother, I don't remember exactly what job her mother has, it's, she just is, has money. <laughs> she has money, she's a doctor, Okay. from my understanding. Um, I said that's so snobby, she's a doctor, <laughs> how dare she? No, kudos to her mother, <laughs> kudos exactly. to her fictional mother. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's a doctor, and then her cousin is in medicine from my understanding or science she's she's pursuing something in that field when we meet her in the show mm-hmm. um her big trope is arranged marriage who would have thought guys <laughs> south asians in arranged marriage i could have never come up with that one yeah you're gonna have to forgive us if we don't remember any of the characters names yeah the average human can only remember about 500 faces at one time okay so i'm definitely there's like oh like Debbie's rival is a white boy. I'm sorry. I'm going to call him white boy. And the cousin is going to be cousin. <laughs> and yeah, they, the cousin's whole thing is an arranged The marriage. only one I remember from the two boys is um, Paxton. And he's half Japanese. He's, which, fun fact, a little side note. Um, I When I was reading about the is show. Is he not half Japanese? No, no, no. He is. But uh, like that became such a big part of their advertising. Like, oh, we have a half Japanese, like American. They did not know Homeboy was half Japanese, <laughs> the actor, until he spoke in Japanese to one of the crew. Oh my so god! So he got put in that role as a white boy, <laughs> and then they were like, they, <laughs> they did not know he was half Japanese until he spoke Japanese to a crew member, and then they were like, oh my god. Aww diversity let's make that a big you know marketing ploy but i think it again kind of is kind of symbolic into what that show is is that idea of like person of color oh my god let me show the world that this show is about people of color when is it really yeah it's it's so interesting because i i watched the show with a friend of mine who's white and we looked up trailers before we watched it and we found three trailers there was one trailer well there's two trailers from netflix and one that was just netflix india and one of the trailers didn't bring up any character's race it was just this is a high school drama it's about davi and how she wants to score i'll be very blunt she's just like her most of her character motivation is that she wants to score (laughs) and that was the whole trailer it's like davi's in high school and she's a weird loser who wants to score and we were like okay and then the second trailer we watched was like, Dobby's a first generation Indian girl who's dealing with being Indian and her friends are this race. Like they literally introduced the Chinese girl being like, I'm Chinese and I want to act. And I was like, okay. And they're like, yeah, half Japanese love interest. 
and all this. Look at our super diverse cast. And we were like, okay. And then we watched the Netflix India one and we don't speak Tamil, but it was like all of the Indian aspects in the show, but in the trailer, like it was like a best of in the trailer. Like the, there's a part where the characters go to a puja and that was like all of the trailer <laughs> and, oh, really? like, and like the arranged marriage thing. It was like on the trailer and we're like, interesting. <laughs> um, when those are like events that happen in the show, they don't happen like every episode. Like that trailer made it made as if it seemed that happened like throughout the whole show when that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. Watching Never Have I Ever was interesting because kind of like Riot, they marketed themselves on the diversity and when my friend and I finished the show we just found ourselves saying like is it really good representation? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> because it's just, if you, as you mentioned, if you stripped away every single aspect of it, it's just kind of a normal, low-quality high school drama. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was what was honestly frustrating. Because I was like, why are you trying to market this as, like, this is Indian females in all their glory? Which I'm like, Davy, Davy's trying to score fair enough. Some teenagers, that's what they're doing. That that's great for her. Yeah. But do I think if you're gonna market something as like, oh, diversity, that should be like your main character trait? Probably not, because a big thing was like the reason they did it coming from a South Asian background. I could tell is because um, for our cultures, a big thing is people in the West. And people who just aren't South Asian come like to acknowledge that like we aren't as I guess sex positive or we it's like you know taboo you don't talk people in like Indian shows they don't kiss they like hold hands and that's like groundbreaking (laughs) um so like you know like it's obviously like it's different there's differences in all cultures and places you come from so that's just a difference in South Asian culture and I think a big thing for me with the fact that she just came across as like we were saying just so horny is that again it's not oh I'm I'm like oh how dare she be horny go for it most kids are mm-hmm. however you could tell it was done out of this thing of like almost trying to be rebellious of the stereotype that South Asians get put into of like you guys are nuns um you know like you don't like to talk about sex you, you think it's taboo like mm-hmm. boyfriends are off limits I'm like that's true like for most of our cultures like yeah I don't think I would tell I don't think I would tell my parents if I had a boyfriend <laughs> for ages unless I'm gonna marry them when I'm like 27 but is that a everyday stressor for me or is that a big part of my identity no and I think the reason they made it so much of her identity was because that's what white cultures can kind of connect to is that idea of sex Mm -hmm. because in the west sex does sell Mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily think and that's totally fair but in other cultures, sex doesn't sell. That's just not the thing that sells. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So it was kind of like they were trying so hard to rebel with her character and like break out of the stereotype that it kind of just became this thing of like, well, I don't really know if the fact that she just wants to score 
is that groundbreaking make it a side plot man like <laughs> make it about something yeah else. it was like weirdly front and center with the marketing yeah <laughs> yeah it was and i and it was like that for a couple of other things too like uh, if anything like i felt like talking more about the fact that for a little bit of it um her davy's kind of perspective of her religion that i found actually much more interesting if they would have like dived into that but they like you said they really didn't in the show like the puja anything that had that has to do with the culture they kind of just use it for aesthetic purposes and then move on so there were so many places they could have done even more with but i feel like they stuck so centrally to that one plot because again that is what's most digestible for western cultural in general yeah and i feel like this is definitely highlighted by the cousin and the arranged marriage thing mm-hmm. because they introduce the cousin and the cousin is kind of i found it very interesting that the cousin was a lot paler than debbie did you notice that yeah yeah but yeah like the cousin is introduced she's like pretty and successful yeah and like compared to davi who's yeah. kind of like a dorky character like mm-hmm. the other aspect of her character is that she's dorky mm-hmm. and the cousin's like oh my life is perfect except i'm in an arranged marriage and i was like of course (laughs) and they acted like it was a really big moment spoilers for this show but like she meets the guy that she's supposed to be married to and he's like really hot so she's like maybe i will arrange marriage actually no i won't arrange marriage and that is my choice because i'm a strong independent woman and i was like this has fulfilled nothing in the show because I feel like I've seen a lot of arranged marriage Southeast Asian yeah, that plots trope. where they're like, no, <laughs> which is like good because that's still a problem. But like they didn't deconstruct it at all. Mm-hmm. Like they just had her go- kind of go through the motion of like, oh, I don't want to be an arranged marriage. Oh, the guy's hot and I guess I will consider it but no i won't in the end and i was like this is this has done nothing yeah (laughs) there was a lot of the show where like like you mentioned like they go to like the puja and i was like okay like what are they saying about this and it's like oh it's just set dressing and like there's a throwaway line where dobby's like i don't like wearing traditional clothing and then we're like why (laughs) and then they like don't go into it so like is it really a like I'm not saying that the show has to, like, break down every single, like, you know, thought and feeling that Dabi would have about her culture, but it would be nice for her to at least examine those parts of it that bother her or, like, she can get along with Mm -hmm. instead of her just being kind of weird and horny. (laughs) Hey guys, we're gonna take a short break and then we'll be back to talk more about the episode. Hello and Sat Sri Akal. I'm Jagir Virk. I'm Praminder Virk. Every Sunday morning from 9 to 10, we host Taste of Punjab radio program on CFUV 101.9 FM. We play variety of Punjabi songs, talk about community events, and invite community members. So don't forget to listen Taste of Punjab at CFUV.ca. The Papery is Victoria's home for quality stationery products and gifts for any occasion. They have hey notebooks, welcome back to the show, pens, and let's calligraphy get back tools, into greeting cards, and more. 
Come visit the papery at their new location at 734 Fort Street, or find them online at victoriapapery.ca. Well, I actually, um, do you want to actually share what you were thinking about, like the pro of the therapy? Yeah. And I'll, I, because there's something I feel like relates back to what you said, but I would rather you, yeah, start off by explaining. Yeah. So, like, the, I always feel, like, so awash in, like, some of these movies, like, as, as much as I had problems with Raya, there were good things about it, which I don't care about talking about here. But, like, <laughs> The big thing that I liked in Never Have I Ever is that since Davi loses her father in the first episode, that's like very traumatizing and like a big aspect of her character is dealing with her trauma. And she visits a therapist regularly and has a really good relationship with this therapist. And in Southeast Asian culture, it's very frowned upon to seek any sort of like mental health at least in like the the chinese filipino sphere like Mm -hmm. like it's very shameful if you have to like talk to a therapist or like if you're struggling with something like anxiety depression ptsd you just like the the cultural expectation is just to kind of like move on and like not deal with it yeah but Debbie talking to a therapist and like trying to work through her trauma was very interesting to me because the show doesn't frame it as being like awful or shameful it, it, it it's one of the things that she actually learns how to improve in through as a person like the therapist is actually a very good character who like is a genuinely good guiding force and I was like that's really interesting and I like that it's too bad the show kind of doesn't <laughs> like that is legitimately the show like actually breaking the stereotype and they didn't really like foist it like they, like, they weren't like Davi's a Southeast Asian who goes to therapy. Like they didn't, they didn't put it on a moral tentpole, and I yeah. found that that was so interesting. I so for that I completely agree because for South Asian culture, yeah, it's such a taboo thing to do therapy. I think though the one thing I would actually add is like, see that was for me. Um, what what we were talking about prior to just you explaining that that idea of like there's not a lot of explanation in a lot of things so for me that was like okay she goes to therapy her mother obviously like something to know is her mom is really against it like adverse to it in the beginning Mm -hmm. i think that would have been an amazing moment to showcase why immigrant parents come with that with that perception it comes from a cultural standpoint but i think when you're an immigrant and comes from a there's a different element to it um i know for like my parents it's that idea of like we kind of like were so selfless in our journey to just get here that we didn't even have the option or the privilege of like thinking about these things so yeah they don't exist <laughs> you know like they and that's total there's problems in that there's oh, total yeah. flaws in that and we know that but i'm saying in the sense of like but that still humanizes that person uh and her mother that would have humanized her a lot more than um just kind of making which a lot of the time south asian parents and southeast asian just asian people in general get boxed into this idea of like you guys don't understand mental health like you don't think it exists but it's like especially for because most people that uh the west is talking about when they make that stereotype is of like immigrants so asian immigrants 
and it, it's so much more valuable to instead of always constantly villainize these like parents and these figures of like oh you don't get it <laughs> how dare you it's like well why don't they where where are they coming from because I know where my parents come from. I don't agree with it, but at least I know. And they're not like these crazy villains to me for not understanding it. And I think a really big issue is like with the show, like Never Have I Ever is like, again, a lot of Western audiences are watching this. So for them, it's again, even though she's going to a therapist, and but her mom is so adverse to it up until the end. Um, it again, just reassures the stereotype of like, yeah, the parent doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. The, she's kind of like her mom does get villainized in that sense and I think um, actually you we were talking the first time we talked about turning red you some, said something that I think I'll always use when I'm articulating this <laughs> um, but you were talking about how like it does a really good job of art, um, showcasing intergenerational expectations mm-hmm. and I think that's a really big theme for immigrant stories and first generation American Canadian kids is like and second generation if you're like just from a immigrant family in general is that idea of like a lot of the stereotypes that people who aren't from our cultures have put on us um that usually end up villainizing our parents and our grandparents and all that stuff uh aren't like there's never explanation as to where they come from it's always just like you're a bad person like you're a helicopter parent you're a bad person how could you do that to your kid but it's like there's always flaws in things people do but it's like there's also you have to understand from their point of view where they're coming from like these people come from like a lot of them come from rural countries and it's not that like india isn't beautiful my where my mother grew up was amazing but she grew up on a farm she biked in the mud for like three hours to get to school and then she came here and worked a five dollar job and somehow now is able to say she is putting both of her kids through university right so it's like there's just there's scales there's different hierarchies of needs for people and especially for immigrants Mm -hmm. so I feel like with the therapy thing they could have done that more um and I think that was the thing that you said about turning red and after I um read more about it in the reviews was something that stood out for people was like they do talk about that so it's not constantly just like here's a stereotype it's bad we acknowledge it it's like here's a stereotype but this is actually where it comes from like mm-hmm. these characteristics of our community this is an explanation and kind of a inside look as to where it's coming from honestly i um i mean just in the future like i think it speaks a lot that we can have these conversations about the representation of race in our media because i feel like maybe even a decade ago yeah we probably wouldn't even be able to have them yeah just because there was so little representation mm-hmm. and now there's more which is good but i think it's important to have conversations about like is this the right representation is this you know is this narrative harming or is it hurting or is it you know helping i think it's good that we can have these mm-hmm. but i think there's still so much that we can do <laughs> as yeah. people as media creators as media critiquers when it comes to representation <laughs> i totally yeah. agree well thank you arcade <laughs> for being on the show <laughs> Um, I really appreciate it, and um, hopefully, I know this is going to be a valuable thing for listeners to take 
time to hear. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for your time. No problem. Um, and hopefully you're on the show again <laughs> at some point. I'd love to. Hey guys, we're going to take a short break and then we'll be back to talk more about the episode. Washing your hands often reduces the chances of getting or spreading COVID-19 and other germs. Washing your hands with soap and hot water for at least 20 seconds allows the soap to disrupt the surface of the virus and rinse it off. While soap and water is the most effective, hand sanitizer can also be used to disinfect your hands as well. For more information about hand washing and COVID-19, please visit bccdc.ca. The Garden of Eden is Victoria's first adult store, opening in 1973. They have everything for your next theme party, performance, and pride events, including costumes, contact lenses, wigs, masks, pleasure products, and more. Find them at 1483 Douglas Street and online at gardenofeden.ca. Hey guys, welcome back to the show, and let's get back into today's discussion. I also wanted to share the reason I decided to make this episode, so let's get into it. So, you know, you hear the name, Lies I Tell White People. And it's really easy to get this idea that this show may attack or may constantly only focus on that community. Now, I hope throughout the episodes of this broadcast and slowly but surely, audiences will be able to realize that for example, today's episode, I don't necessarily think that a lot of the implicit ways that racist ideals or mentalities are perpetuated is solely because of white people. I think, especially in the day and age we live in now, it's really easy for our own communities to kind of sometimes lose their way. And it happens. It's, things happen. Again, never have I ever. That doesn't take away from the fact that it's a well-rounded show. The acting is great. The script is great. That is all fine. The issue is that that show was also written by people of color. Not solely by people of color. But yeah, there were crew and cast that were people of color and for people for even people in our own communities to sometimes 
not realize that just because we want representation, at what cost do we want it? Because if you're only doing it in order to be be able to say, hey, there's a brown person on your television screen, I don't know if that actually does anything for any of our communities. Especially when that brown person on the screen probably doesn't accurately represent the community they're marketing they do. And I think that's the biggest issue I have with it. And I do and I do know that other communities, community members have that as well. Is the fact that shows such as Never Have I Ever, it's again just an example, there's many of them, tend to do this thing, especially in our political correct, you know, activism culture that, hey, we need representation. So I'm going to put a person of color on your television screen so that I can go to sleep easy every single night thinking I'm, I'm doing something right and I'm on the right side of history. That's just not how it works. If you want to make change and you want to represent, you know, minority communities or you want to be an agent in your, you know, activism for for whatever cause that's going on this month and on social media that you care about well then that takes more work than just putting a person of color on your tell on your show or just posting an instagram photo on your story these things take effort and when someone doesn't put effort in it it shows. It shows in this case in the script and the character traits and the in the substance of all the characters' identities and the plot lines they go through. You know? It shows in the fact that the marketing promised audience is one thing and the final product did something completely different. And so instead of just trying to make this a black and white matter about race and what's when you do the right thing or when you do the wrong thing i think it's important to stop for a second and think hey you know is what i'm doing a genuine cry at elevating and giving this community a platform to speak their truth or is what i'm doing just something that fulfills my own innate need to be considered a good person and to be considered someone that's on the right side of history because those two things i promise are going to end up giving you a completely different final product and you know people may think it goes unnoticed but it doesn't if i notice it in my day-to-day life when people uh you know have do certain actions or um be a part are part of certain things then i'm sure other people in your lives notice it too so i think it's in all of us not just white people in all of us to stop for a second and think before we do something or before we entail on a project that's supposed to be supposed to be woke that is it actually productively and positively affecting the community we're trying to help or is it just a way for me to feel better about where i stand in the world and that might be again a very unpopular opinion it might feel like i'm attacking some folks i'm truly not i think i do it as well it's in all of us to kind of just stop for a second 
and reflect. I think sometimes in na- nowadays we really don't, especially I know kids my age don't. Um, and so that's all you really can do. So, this was Lies I Tell White People, and I hope you enjoyed the show. See you next week. You ain't gotta lie to kick it, my, 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 my. You ain't gotta lie, you ain't gotta lie.